Hi, I'm Nina Endurst. I'm Anna Tonk. Welcome to How to Be Human, a podcast that explores the common and often confusing themes of humanness. On this episode, Anna and I discuss friendship. Take a seat, clear your mind, and let's chat. Good afternoon, friend. Hi, I forgot what we were doing for a second, which is always <laughs> let's just let's just talk. That's what we do anyway. <laughs> yeah, I was like, wait a minute. And then I was like, oh, right, right, right. We're doing something. We're doing something. It's yeah. that kind of day. It's that kind of day. I think it's the time of year as well, you know, with the being... I always want to make some sort of like car commercial joke about it being like the Honda days or something, but (laughs) (laughs) but like, even though I don't feel that crazy about the holidays or anything, I think the energy is so palpable that I constantly have to be like, why do I feel a little like kooky? And I'm like, well, there's just so much floating around right now that it feels tough to remain present and in my body, you know? So that has been a constant reminder lately. Yeah. It's, we've got a lot going on guys. Yeah. By we, I mean humans, you know, it's just all of us. It's a bit relentless. I have this fun habit of checking the news every morning, which I, why do you do this to yourself? Yeah. There's just no way you're having a good day after that. I mean, I manage. (laughs) I just have more to exercise out, you know, I'm just like, why, why do you need to go and read all of the horror stories? Like, don't you have enough just like breathing and listening to things? Anyway, we're not talking about that today. We're talking about friendship. Yes, I have a bunch of definitions for us because originally we had said relationships and then we were like there's no way we're gonna it was actually kind of interesting like we were like there's no way we're gonna be able to like you know talk about all the ships yeah all of that and then I was like dare we try and then I was like let's be real let's not do that but in thinking about it I was thinking about like how often we only think about essentially like friendship or love that's it and was just thinking about relationships and relating so the first definition i have is relationship the way in which two or more concepts objects or people are connected or the state of being connected by blood or marriage they can trace their relationship to a common ancestor The way in which two or more people or groups regard and behave toward each other, the landlord-tenant relationship. So that was kind of interesting. Then I was like, let's look up. We're here to talk about landlords. (laughs) This is the episode you've all been waiting for, where we really get into it with landlords. (laughs) Landlord pod. (laughs) So an intimate relationship is an interpersonal relationship that involves physical or emotional intimacy. Although an intimate relationship is commonly a sexual relationship, it may also be a non-sexual relationship involving family, friends, or acquaintances. Cool. Then friendship. Friendship, a state of enduring affection, esteem, intimacy, and trust between two people. It is recognized by both members of the relationship and is characterized by a bond or tie of reciprocated affection. Do you see the emphasis on reciprocated? Yes. I mean, 
we've been having um, some lessons in these streets about that, haven't we? Some wicked lessons in these yeah. streets. I mean, we probably should do an episode about reciprocity in general. But I don't know about, I mean, at this point, I wouldn't say I have that. I mean, I was going to say I don't think I have that many old friends, but I don't have that many, I would say, prior to teenagehood, you know, like just moving around a lot, being old, cleaning house. I don't know, a variety of reasons. But this comes up all the time I'm hearing about from friends and from clients. It seems like, I don't know if it was the pandemic. I don't know if it's the time of year. I, I mean, I'm feeling a little left out that I'm getting different friendship lessons, but it's like all these people are learning, like, why am I still friends with this person? Hmm. Like, I think part of why I like doing the definitions is it reminds us, like, this is the definition of that. Is that what's happening in this relationship or this, you know, circumstance or whatever? And I do so many readings for people who I think feel really lonely because they are friends with a bunch of people that they don't feel seen by. And it's not even like these are bad people. It's just like they quit checking in. You know, and at some point didn't really realize like, oh, I don't have anything in common with this person anymore. Or like, I don't enjoy my time with them or they're not very nice to me or like a million different things. And I'm curious, like, what do you think makes us stay in those friendships? <laughs> this, this is like a sick joke. you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not meaning to fuck with her, but I kind of am. I'm not meaning to. <laughs> I had like a really dramatic moment this morning. I mean, really dramatic is excessive, you know, maybe a little dramatic, but I've been dealing with this personally for a while. And in one particular relationship, I hit my breaking point literally this morning. And why I think we stay in these relationships, a couple of things. I think loyalty, this false sense of loyalty, not that it's always false, but I do believe that a lot of us think about commitment in relation, in friendship as, okay, I'm in, I said I'm in, they trust me, I trust them, I'm in it. That means good, bad, ugly, in between, which I wholeheartedly agree with to a point. But when we want to exit. I think a lot of people avoid it because they don't want to have the conversation, which you don't have to have yeah. fully. Right. But also I feel like it's a, a lot of fear about what that says about us or are we leaving because we're abandoning someone? Is it just kind of all in our heads? Should we stay and try a little harder? just feel like we kind of gaslight ourselves a little bit when it comes to leaving friendships. Yeah. And it doesn't have to end badly. You know, it really doesn't. It, it's not always going to be comfortable. When I moved away to Mexico and I realized that I was the only one keeping in touch and I'm the one who moved. So I have no problem with that. I called people, I checked in and, but when I started realizing that a lot of it just wasn't being reciprocated, I mean, it hurt my feelings a lot. It still does, but it also just, it has to end at some point. I think we just have to be really honest with ourselves about what we want 
and how we want to feel when we're in relationship with somebody. Yeah. It's something I've thought about a lot is that it bums me out. We don't have more language around friendship that, you know, like romantically, we know how to have a breakup. I mean, and I'm not saying that that's like... That's still not going well. <laughs> yeah. And it's flawed. I'm not saying it's perfect by any means. No, but I hear you. But like we have a general framework we've roughed out to be like, I no longer want to do sex to you. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like... You know, when you get to the point where you're just so grossed out by the person, yeah. you're like, yep, it's the time. It's yeah. now the time. The time has passed. <laughs> I'm such a ride or die monogamous. Like, I don't know, like no judgment. Listen, if you can do open by all means, like I just, I know I'm in trubs. Like when I start, like if I'm with someone, start like noticing other people and being like, Ooh, I'm like, uh Oh, like something's not, you know, cause not to say I don't have like attraction, but I'm so like singularly focused that, that that's always a clue to me that something's up, but who knows? But why don't we have that for friendship? You know, and I feel like with women as well, it's like especially toxic. And it's like you either just like let go of each other and like more and more time elapses and you're like, okay, so are we not friends anymore? Like what's happened, you know, or it's dramatic. I know I've either I've had so many I mean, both on my side of the fence and on someone of just like these dramatic do you know how many people have broken up with at ikea a lot if you want to end a relationship go to ikea with someone or especially in your early 20s is that real yeah it was kind of funny because i would joke before going and being like well let's see how this ends and then it would (laughs) you're like are we friends or not (laughs) once we get past the swedish meatballs we'll see (laughs) I think because really you have to be a team player in IKEA. <laughs> so, so amazing. <laughs> so like if your relationship or friendship was like already kind of like on the rocks, it was like <laughs> IKEA was like, let's just split it all up. Let's just explode oh this boat. You know, like God. you're going down. And so, yeah, it just became a joke. And I would like point to it in the car. And I'd be like, IKEA, where relationships go to die, you know? <laughs> So, I mean, I'll definitely own my own part in a lot of friendships where I, but this is also like part of my thing about why don't we have language that I had a hard time sometimes navigating little stuff that I didn't know how to say, like, that hurts my feelings or like, I know it's not a big deal, but it makes me crazy that every time we hang out, you're an hour late, like just stuff like that. And I was also friends with a lot of people who were like, when I was younger, like very sensitive. So it also felt like this vicious cycle of like, if you said like, hey, this hurts my feelings or I don't love when you do that or I felt kind of left out, they would be like, oh my God, I'm so hurt that like you had a problem with me. And I would be like, well, fuck, how did, how are things supposed to be better? You know? So then I'd stop saying stuff because I was like, well, people don't seem to like it when you do that. (laughs) And things would build. And then I'd be like, you know what? Like, I'm done. Like, you're, you know, like, I would just lose it. Like, I'm not defending myself. I'm saying this has been the pattern, you know? And I had to learn, like, well, there seems to be something between these two, you know, of either silence or uncorking, 
And I realized like, oh, I need different friendships. Like I need to be able to say to someone, this hurts my feelings. And it can be a struggle. Like people are like, I love that I always know where I am with you. But I don't think people like love it that I'd rather be direct. And they're like, isn't an issue, you know? And I was talking to my friend Nandita about it. And she was like, I'm of two minds that in friendship, you either think you ignore everything or you talk about everything and you need to find friends who like agree with you about that. And I was like, interesting. And that made me think a lot about these old people, like in really old friendships, it's like you establish those often before you like knew anything, you know? And it's like, would you choose those people now? Like nine times out of 10, we wouldn't, you know? And like, I've had that issue like with coworkers that I became friendly with. And I'm like, I don't have to maintain these relationships anymore. Like I found a way, I feel a lot of guilt. I feel a lot of guilt. Like I'm abandoning people or I'm discarding them. Like that's often when I'm just like, this isn't working for me. I take them to Ikea. No kidding. (laughs) So I'm like, Hey, I really need a new bed frame. Yeah, years from now, I'll be like, hey, Nina, do you want to go to Ikea? And you'll be like, (gasps) I'll just send you your half in the mail. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm a cold hearted bitch like that. Well, but that's what I find also interesting about you is you're the personal text. Someone and be like, hey, no biggie. We're not friends anymore. Have a good life. Bye. (laughs) I mean, you'll be so direct. Yeah, but I think about it and agonize about it for so mm. long, like so long. And then you're just like, do it. So one of the reasons I feel like I personally didn't leave a lot of friendships for a long time is because I hadn't really fully admitted to myself that I changed Ooh. or that I was changing or that I had the capacity to change or that changing was a positive thing. Any of those interesting okay everything was so in flux in my life you know I never knew what I was going to get walking into my office I could be screamed at I could be like everything that day because that's what they say in fashion you're everything or that's what they used to say and so I was like okay could be a cunt could be amazing like what's coming down the pipeline and with my friends I always stuck with people who I had known for years and years and years because I felt like it was such a solid structure. And I think coming from divorced parents, you know, and people, a lot of people died when I was younger around me and I didn't feel very stable in my home. So in a lot of ways, not in all ways. So I gravitated towards like that family. So for me, Uh, it was family. I was like, you don't just abandon your family. Like you get pissed at them. You, you don't might not agree on things. You might have different points of view, but you don't leave because leaving hurts too much or it's just not what I do. But the older I got and the more I, I did change and I realized I was, I was like, I don't know if a lot of these people ever really knew me and that's not their fault. It's who I presented. And I thought I was that person, you know, and part of me was, but I just, stopped, you know, wanting to kind of be in that contract and in that dynamic. And when the other people couldn't meet me, 
and continue to show me that they can't meet me in this like new space and be interested in who I am, that's when I'm like, I'm done. And that's when I get like, I'm just done. Yeah. It takes years. <laughs> yeah. I Same. With new people, it doesn't take me years. With new people, I'm like, yeah. hey, hi, bye. I don't have time for this shit. I agree. I'm like, you don't have that much invested in the bank of Anna. Like you can't make that kind of withdrawal. <laughs> Just like, exactly. Exactly. You know, it's, but it's, yeah. Cause I've gotten better about that. It's interesting what you said though. I think it's kind of funny sometimes when you look back at different friend groups or things like that and you're like, what was that about? You know? And you're like, Oh, cause I was, <laughs> I was being really <laughs> inauthentic, you know, like not as a criticism, but it's like, Oh, I was trying on a different identity. Like, you know, I was mm-hmm. in, you know, or stuff like that, that it's like kind of funny. I'm someone. So friends have always been important to me. I was very friendship driven as like a little kid. It's like friendships never not been important to me. Have you been the same? Yeah. It's always been my number one. Same. Yeah. Until recently. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I would say sort of similar until like kind of, I took the number one spot, you know, literally before. Now that's dropped to like the the bottom. (laughs) (laughs) But I was laughing with Nina before we started recording that I was like, I have the laziest setup. And she was like, are you in bed? Like, (laughs) you know, mic on its side. Like, I support you. (laughs) You know, like baby needed to record from bed. But it's true. Like once I start, I mean, I started like joking being like, I'm baby, you know, but like when I realized like a lot of my tension with people was like these expectations I had that I wasn't communicating, didn't even realize I was making, like didn't even realize that's what I was doing, you know, and had to prioritize myself. Like, I think I would constantly feel like a little disappointed or let down or I think constantly about what you said of like, I always felt like I cared too much, you know, and I really felt the same way. But I think I've been blessed with this like very probably 60, 40 experience of like 60% of my friends have been incredible. Still people I'm friends with today. And then there's been this 40% where I'm like, what the fuck? Like, what was that? Was I like looking for a way to be like abused in my spare time? Like, what was I doing? You know, of just like, not even abuse. I shouldn't say that, but like just toxic of like drama or this or that. So I found out my brother was an addict and then my dog died two days later. And my, at the time, bestie drunk dialed me that night. Didn't remember my dog had died. It was just like this mess. And I ended the friendship after that. And because she wouldn't really acknowledge what had happened. And I was like, I didn't really need a messy, drunk, emoting phone call on the same night my dog died. And when I've just found out my brother's an addict and there's a history of alcoholism in my family. And as my best friend, I would think that's something you think about, to be honest. And it was this real pivotal moment for me to be kind of like, it's not so much that what she did is unforgivable or like that bad or whatever. It felt like this really, really, really clear moment where I could choose differently for myself. 
that's the thing, isn't it? Yeah. Like, I still love her. I think about her. There's no one I've laughed as hard with. You know, like, it would be really easy to say those things aren't true. You know, like, it would be so easy to just write someone off. And I think if you're willing to be really honest about relationships and friendships, it's like, if you're really showing up, it is messy, you know, but I don't think that it's, I don't know, like harmful, maybe not to say that we don't harm each other, but like, I realized I was clinging so much to this friendship and this best friendship because I didn't really feel worthy of better. And yet I had outgrown this kind of messy. And I think that that had been something too, like we're friends with people we feel safe with. And I had realized like, I have all these different groups. I need to quit kind of defending the people who pull me back places. I don't want to go. Well, something you just said about it not being that bad, I think, is a huge point to touch on, which is we don't have to make people the enemy, right? I think when we break up with exes, it's often like, I'm going to have to hate you now. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think you're really good at that, to be honest. I think, like, you you know, you'll get mad about something and be like, can you believe blah, blah, blah. blah." But then you're like, I set them free. You know, like you, I think you're really good at that. Like I had to really learn. You don't have to build a case. You can just go like, this doesn't feel good. This is not what I want more of in my life, you know? And I think it was really hard for me to see with friends. I think I always wanted to give them a pass or something. And it felt, you know, like, I was being judgmental or I wasn't like fully welcoming the, the full expression of their essence or something. And it's like something I've tried to get better about is like, things don't always have to be a breakup, but it's like where you're at right now doesn't mix with where I'm at right now. Like I'm not locking the door, but it's softly been shut. (laughs) I need to get better about not padlocking things. I mean, I, (laughs) And then cementing over it. And then moving. (laughs) True. It's a bit true. But I think it's really interesting how much, like, you self-validate that. You know, that you're just like, I've been through my process. I've wrestled it out. The decision has been made. Someone mixed the cement. It's, like, about to happen, you know. But does that make it? harder for you to process maybe to process the like I mean the loss because if you if you're cut off a friendship like it it is a loss I process it I do a lot of talking to myself in the shower about friendships actually interesting I haven't had a big friendship breakup that was bad well I have I have two tidbits one was a girl that I worked at with at a tabloid TV show when I first moved to New York. It was my first job at Inside Edition, which is the most ridiculous place I think you could ever work. But anyway, and her and I were friends. She was from Texas. I'd never really That's funny. been friends with a Southern gal. And 
she was amazing in so many ways and fun. And her boyfriend was in a band and we were just like, you know, our, we're each other's like saving grace at work. And I loved her truly, truly. And this is a kind of a dark turn, but I found out while I was working there that an ex-boyfriend of mine who was like a very important relationship in my life and traumatic one had committed suicide and she had just gotten engaged. And when she got engaged, I realized like these things about her that I didn't necessarily love. And so I was, I took off work. I was like really, really traumatized and upset. And I didn't really ask for a lot. I mean, there are some friends that I've asked an insane amount from in my past, right? Like emotionally, but she was not one of them. But I was like, I really like, would just like to sit and have a drink and like, just, you know, be with my friend. And she was like an hour and a half late. It was freezing, by the way, it was dead of winter. And she was like picking out fucking candles. And that's why she was late. She was picking out candles for her engagement, something. Yikes. And she shows up and she's like half listening, mostly talking about these fucking candles. And I was just like, is this real life? <laughs> and it's pressing on my, you know, insecurity of being, of asking too much or having messy things happen to me mm. or around me, not being together. She's getting married. She's like figuring out her life. I'm in shambles and now my ex-boyfriend's dead and I'm like spiraling. So I'm like, quiet, quiet. We leave. I'm really upset. And I decide to say something to her. And I've had a couple glasses of wine and I call her and I was just like, that really upset me. Or I don't even think it started that way. I was talking to her about it and she's like, this is where, this is where it got ugly, y'all. She's like, this would make a great story on Inside Edition. What? Those are the words that came out of her mouth. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? That's bizarre. That shows you how detached she was. She goes, Nina, don't cuss at me. <laughs> Very Southern. <laughs> I was like, Did you say cussed? Yeah. I, I was, I was like, like, first of all, I'll fucking swear whenever I want to. And second of all, yes. like, I, also, I was not, I don't fight with my friends. Like, I genuinely don't have arguments with friends. I will have conflict, but I don't have arguments. And I was like, are you serious right Even now? Even if you did, who gives a shit? I mean, she's allowed to say like, you know, you're allowed to say like, I can have this conversation better with you if you're not yelling at me. I'm not saying you were, but you know, it's like people can say like, relax, but also even if you were arguing, like, that's okay. Like, why do we act like this stuff isn't healthy? Like we know yeah, we right. need it, you know, it's so weird. So she hangs up on me. And never talks to me ever again. Do you know that? See, I've had that happen so many <laughs> so times. I was supposed to be one of two bridesmaids in her wedding, by the way. I mean, like, I know you have another tidbit, but I just want to add on to this tidbit Please. to say one of my former best friends who, again, we lived together. We were each other's, you know, ride or die. We called ourselves LLPs, like platonic lesbian life partners, like this whole thing. So she got married at the time I was estranged from my brother invited. I was her maid of honor, mind you. All the other bridesmaids were total bitches. It was like a shit show organizing all her shit. Anyway, important though, important tidbit. 
I mean, they were just the worst. And I like figured it out. You know, my mom threw her bridal shower at her apartment in the city so that people out of towners, it could be part of like the wedding festivities and out of towners, like the bride's mom could attend and stuff paid for everything these bridesmaids didn't offer up shit we're like oh well it's it's anna like it's the maid of honor i'm like uh no anyway we're going to get her out of the car we're at the church you know to get this bitch married and we're getting (laughs) out and my brother is outside the church smoking and i'm like he hasn't spoken to me in over a year won't I don't know what I've done like none of this and I was like oh my god why like and it felt like such a betrayal that she would invite him and not oh my god, warn you didn't me no wait I did not know, know. <gasps> I had been given Damn. zero warning so oh she gets married like literally a week before my birthday. And so then I think she went on honeymoon and then came out for my birthday. And she's like, you know, acting kind of like, like you're welcome for me being here. And I'm like, well, after I spent like $3,000 dealing with your wedding, like you're welcome. I even like acknowledge your existence. And I confronted her and I just said, Hey, it was sort of shocking to see my brother and you didn't warn me. And she's like, well, I had to invite him. I couldn't invite your mom and like not invite your brother. And I was like, listen, it's your wedding. I don't give a shit about who you invite, but, but I think it's weird. You did not give me a heads up. He was going to be there. So I could have at least been prepared. Like I'm your maid of honor. Like that's bizarre. She never spoke to me after that. Oh my God. It's like, you can't handle a note. Like you can't handle, like you just got married. You think, what do you You think marriage is? No shit. And this is not about like trashing. No, I just find it bizarre. Like what is that? You know, I'm so confused, but it's also like, it feels a lot like shame to me. And it feels a lot like true. There are no tools for conflict. And it was, yes, no tools for conflict. Yes. Yes, you got to yes, get yes. some. You got to get, you got to go to Ikea. Are they at Ikea? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, they are not at Ikea because maybe things would have ended up different. We have to be able to be in conflict. And I get it. It's uncomfortable. I mean, I'm just now at almost 37 years old. Don't have the feeling of my like stomach dropping into my ass when someone's like, I have to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i know like, that that like, used to send me into like uh, a hot belly yeah i know like, what, same. What, 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 about what about what about what and now i'm like okay you know it, it just because we have to take care of ourselves to be able to be in relationship with other people that doesn't mean we have to be perfect the first hot mess friendship that i referred to was somebody who married somebody who was definitely you know I mean, he was a virgin when they met, which there's no. nothing wrong with that. But swear to God, like interesting. He was a freaking drummer and he was a virgin. Right. Interesting. Like, yeah. And she like she really like used that. I mean, I remember her calling me from a bathroom so upset when he proposed because the ring wasn't exactly what she thought it was going to be. And that was when I was like, I don't know if I like this person. Like, yeah, this is so not my style of person to be like you just got engaged to 
your love and you're worried about how big the fucking ring is. He's a goddamn drummer in this was around, you know, 2008. Like nobody had shit. So my point though was her relationships were dependent on silence, I think, and her being in control. That is not to make her at fault. It's just to say I had to really work on being aware of who I was in relationship with and what that agreement was because you and I were having this conversation the other day. If I have expectations, if you have expectations, if they have expectations, that's on us. Yeah. And even if you do explicitly say something to someone, they still can, you know, drop the ball, disappoint you, make a mistake, like be an asshole, any of these things. (laughs) And it all of the above, but ultimately we have to take care of ourselves in that. Right. But you hope, and now where I am in my life is I don't have any room for friendships that are not reciprocated or, or in ways that are really important to me. Like I don't expect perfection, but if you don't have your own tools and you don't, and you can't have a conversation about if, and when something arises that makes you uncomfortable, then like you and I are not a good match as friends. I agree with all that. And I think something I've grown to value as I get older is also self-awareness. I think in our self-awareness, reciprocity, but I also think of it as like being fed. And I think I fed a lot of other people either being like, I saw this and thought of you or here, you know, like I made this playlist. And I mean, and so much of it was like, see me and love me, you know, like I'm not acting like it was all altruistic or like, cause I'm just mm. such an amazing friend. But I mean, I think anything that's great about us is also where we harm ourselves. It's like for sure. Generosity is something I think I'm good at, but it's also where I can harm myself if I don't ease into it, you know, like let people earn access to like your gifts, you know? So Nina and I have issued a challenge to ourselves of no giving advice unless explicitly asked. And that's why we do a podcast where we give you guys passively advice. (laughs) (laughs) But um, we're just assuming y'all are asking. You're consenting to this. You downloaded it. You downloaded it. But I think that as much as I wanted to be seen, I liked also like I used to tell when I first started going to therapy, I told my therapist, like I felt like I had put myself on an Island and it felt really safe for a long time, but now I wanted off the Island and I didn't know how, you know, and in friendships, I think I had become like the Oracle living on the mountain, you know, and dispensing advice and knowledge and, you know, all this stuff. And I thought, and and now I'm like, I don't want to know anything about you like that you don't know about yourself. Like, mm. I want you to tell me who you are. I don't want to tell you who you are, you know, because like my opinion isn't really relevant. I need the information to figure out if this works for me, but I can't be like friend advisor. And that's been something I've had to really navigate that it's a role that I'll fall into because there's an illusion of safety in it or purpose or organization always being, of, needed. Yeah. always being needed, you know, like it works with my abandoned shit quite nicely of like, if I'm needed, then they won't leave me. Spoiler. That's not how that works. 
you know, but it forced me to show up in a different way to be like, oh, well, if you can be willing to navigate some of your discomfort and relinquish the need for control and really show up as who you are and be authentic, then you can connect. And then you don't have to worry about like, oh, I can only be in relationships I can control. Or I can only be in relationships if the the person is messier than me. You know, like all these different ways that I think when we're trying to figure stuff out, it's like, you know what? I don't think most people are trying to like go through life and like suck, you know, like it's for a variety of reasons we do this stuff, I think, because we're just doing the best we can. So in looking at stuff that wasn't working for me, I had to ask myself, what part am I playing? Because I think a lot of people miss in any relationship, in any friendship, there are two people. So like no one's totally innocent or very, very rarely do I think someone is completely innocent, you know, even if it's like, oh, things came to a head or whatever. In the case of my bridal bestie, like, I don't think I'm innocent. I think she was tired of taking care of me. And I think I had mm. asked her to take a lot of care of me. I was working a lot of shit out, wasn't in therapy yet. Oh, no, you know what? I was at that point. But I think she was worn out. And so it was a good, it was, I think she felt like I've given you so much care and now you're complaining about your, like, fuck you, you know? And I mean, that's kind of my theory about it. But I had to be willing to look at all of it in order to also not repeat it and to get different in my relationships versus just being like, can you believe she did that or whatever? And that's really hard and painful. But a big thing I've realized now is like the best people that I feel the best with have a certain level of self-awareness. And I'm curious, it's like we do the same work. How's that played into your friendships? I mean, it's changed everything for me because I became acutely aware of my shit. And also yeah, so rude. It's so rude that it is so incredibly rare that at this point in my life, I don't look at how I could have been wrong and not in a way of, you know, critiquing myself just for the sake of doing so, but to see it from other people's perspectives, to understand like a more balanced kind of fair, you know, yeah, summary of the situation you know, it's also changed what I accept and what I think that I'm worth mm. and what I really can't compromise with. I think there's one thing for me that's really difficult in friendships, which is I cannot do fake and I've never been able to. I don't do like surface talking well. I physically like shut down. It's just not something I'm comfortable doing and really know how to do it. aside from like the person at the coffee shop. But even then, after like five seconds, they're like, why am I telling you my life story? <laughs> but it's less about me. I think I was manipulative without understanding that I was being manipulative. Oh, me too. Yeah, that's a lovely one to come to terms with. Oh, a friend actually pointed it out was like it was about a guy that. I definitely had feelings for, but was being like, what else? We're friends. It's totally cool. But I just melt down anytime he doesn't like love me. 
Oh, it's the worst. And she was like, you know, you're being really manipulative, right? And I was like, <gasps> like, what? That's, that's, a word, that's a word reserved for other people. <laughs> I was like, no, that's for outside the circle, you know? Yeah, no. And she was like, you're saying one thing, but you're doing another and you're mad that he won't give it. Like, you're being manipulative. And I was like, <gasps> but it was, she was no. right. She was correct. Yeah. Nobody's ever pointed it out to me. I don't think. Let me tell you, it's not fun. (laughs) No, I'm sure they have. I'm sure my parents have because they love to tell me the shit that I do wrong. But I think what I realized through my work really is how subtly I was manipulating things without knowing it in being the person that people needed. Mm, And that was really kind of icky to me. I wasn't exploiting it, but it was still something that I held on to and gripped. That's so fascinating you say that because I think I was doing the same, but didn't realize it because it was more connected to my emotional baggage. And it was like to feel safe or to feel in connection or something. It was emotionally driven but it wasn't like to gain you know I wasn't trying to like get their money or what you know no so I didn't see it as you're that. trying to like stay right yeah like, you, like it does it almost like didn't it didn't occur to me for same, the longest because same, I was just same. like this is what a great friend does a great Ex- friend yes is someone who overextends themselves yep and but then with my shit like I remember calling people in my 20s like I mean it didn't even occur to me to be like do you have time to listen to my shit about my ex-boyfriend for the 10 millionth fucking time? I mean, I am so deeply embarrassed about, uh, I'm, I'm cringing at the amount of conversations. And one of my best friends who's still my best friend to this day, like her and I had just the most obnoxiously long, like years and years of just like, the time wasted, but it was like a mutual understanding, right? Like, but with some friends, I almost was like, oh, you got me, right? Because I've listened, because I'm like always there for you and always will be there for you. So I don't have to like do any of my due diligence and check the boxes. Like I can just unload on you. And that is so not okay. Yeah. I mean, I have some friends where it feels like we have a rhythm where it's like maybe one dinner is about me and then like the next dinner is about them. You know, like it's never had to be like monitored. It's just worked out that way, you know? Yeah, it's like grabbing coffee. Like you get it, then I'll get it. Exactly. Yeah. But then like it's interesting. Like I feel like whenever you start like paying a lot of attention to things is like never a good sign. You know, (laughs) like you're like, hmm, like this bitch has been talking about herself for 45 minutes. And I'm like, well, why does that bother me with this person, but not another? And it's like, oh, well, it's trust, you know, like with lots Mm -hmm. of other people, it's like, oh, I trust. And I was thinking about, I had a realization the other day that like, I didn't have to learn how to be emotional or deal with emotions or how to feel my emotions. I had to learn how to like process my emotions. And I was like saying to my therapist, I was like, Oh, like I thought I was this like 
glacier that had to melt or something. And actually, I was just like incredibly emotionally deregulated. I felt so much leaky faucet. Yes. That I was like, I had no idea what to do or where to direct it or how to ground it. Or, and she's like, I would agree with that, you know, and it was just really funny that I was like, oh, this, I've actually like not understood myself. Like I didn't realize like where all of this began. And I agree. Like, I think back, I think back to one of my oldest friends, Megan, I think back to the patience and kindness that Megan has shown me sometimes at points in our friendship of like keeping her up all night, like talking about my fucked up family when she's on vacation with us. And she let me, and I'm like, that's a true blue friend, you know, mm-hmm. mine's Liz, Liz, if you're listening, <laughs> that's you yeah. just like, she's the kind. And I'm always like, Oh, please talk about yourself. Like yeah. to this day, I'm like, please talk about yourself. <laughs> We need to make up from lost. <laughs> never brought it up again. Was never like, remember that time when you no. desperately needed a therapist and yet it was me, you know, like, cause I think she got it. You know what I mean? Like, I think she could see the situation and was like, I'm always so afraid of being a narcissist, you know? And I like, think back to some of that and I'm like, Oh my God, I was such a narcissist. And I do think I was really narcissistic in my twenties of just being like, so consumed with my pain and wanting to feel better, you know, and a huge way that a lot of that was playing out was friendships, you know, of either like meeting someone kind of falling in friendship love with them and then being like, oh my God, you're flawed. and I don't know what to do with that. You know, like just so much of this stuff that I'm sort of like impressed with like who's left at this point. But I think a lot about like how so much is like, do you agree about sort of the, like, I think you can be very different in terms of, you know, how you move through the world or all that kind of stuff. But it's like, you have to be philosophically um, similar. And I read, I love Ask Polly. It's Heather Havlowski. I never know how to pronounce her last name. (laughs) I I think that's close. I think, yeah. I mean, I don't, and I don't want to say I'm like a language expert, but and so she now has a Substack where she and it's it's an advice column, and someone had written in. I kid you not, Nina. I I was going to tell you this, and then I was like, save it for the pod. So this morning, what do I have from Ask Polly? Is my new friend group toxic? And she says, don't sponge up everyone else's shame and make it your own. But in answering this question, it was like really interesting, you know that she was saying like, kind of like, maybe it's everything. She goes like, sometimes meeting new friends is exactly like falling in love. You want to tell them everything. You want them to tell you everything. You want to spend all of your time together, go away for weekends, confess everything that floats through your mind. But then there's a shift and you realize your friend, new friends aren't perfectly open and accepting and comfortable in their own skin. Or maybe they're just at a stage when they'd rather gossip and stir up shit than really commune in an unquestioning way. Or maybe they're the messiest little bitches on the block or they don't take (laughs) anything seriously at all. Or they hold everyone at arm's length or they're afraid of intimacy and the obligations that come with making real friends. Here's the thing, though. It's still nice to be in love and meet new people and have fun. It's still nice to feel boundaryless. But she was like Mm. talking about like 
necessary. She goes like, um, you, like maybe you didn't do anything wrong. You can decide I wouldn't do that the exactly same way if I repeated it. She goes, you're an effusive person who leaps before looking sometimes. I'm the same way. You can make small adjustments, hold back a tiny bit more, protect yourself, feel out whether a person can stand tears on the phone or not. Many can't, but that doesn't add up to a story where everyone else is cool and right and fine and you are the problem. Wow. That's a real great paragraph. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I love Ask Polly so much because she takes these big things and breaks them down in a way and it makes it funny. But I think I didn't know how to accept myself. And I felt so much shame when I was younger that I was like, friendship can conquer all. Like, I think friendship was like my sub in for love in a lot of ways. Same. And it was so threatening if there were cracks, it was so threatening and it was so much easier to think I was the problem versus like to allow nuance. And the more that I don't personalize things and allow nuance as I get older, it seems to work and at least feel better. So I'm curious too, if you have stuff that you've gone, Oh, if I allow for this, like it seems easier. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think if I allow for space, I think I used to be very much addicted to like how often I spoke Mm. to somebody and like instilling meaning in that too. Like, yeah, there was a lot every day or maybe not every day when I was a stalker, (laughs) I would find myself count. I think it was a bit of a trauma responsive and I still do that, but I remind myself very quickly, like, I'm like, oh, this much time has gone by. This much time has gone by. Like, what does that mean? It means Mm. it's ending. It means we're no longer. But with some people, so as I've matured, as I've matured, (laughs) I've really like released meaning from that. However, what I have given more meaning to is if somebody is showing you that you're not a priority in their lives, it's okay to see that. And not dismiss it as, oh, they're just busy or, oh, they have a life too, which is all very true. It can be both. You cannot be a priority and they can be busy. But, ooh, that is some stellar, stellar advice right there. Because let me tell you, I've wasted a lot of time and caused myself a lot of hurt by trying to avoid that truth of like, Mm. I'm not a priority to this person. And I've been like, Oh, did you need me to serve up my best Anna a little bit more? (laughs) And then you're like, somebody pick up the pool of wax. I know I'm on the floor because I've just melted and I'm (laughs) a pool of my own. You're just not for some people and I'm not for some people. And that is okay now. And that's where I become seemingly like a cutthroat bitch, but also like, I'm clearly not a priority for you. And that's okay. Like, let's just call it because I'm a firm believer of really calling my energy back from places that it doesn't need to be. And for me personally, a lot of that comes in wrapping things up. So I like closure, you know, it doesn't always have to be that way. I don't want to be selfish about it, but if my energy is constantly in the like, oh, let's catch up soon. And like, let's not, you know, like, let's just not, let's just not do that. There was a friend that I was very good close with when I was growing up. And then we had a falling out and then like 
many years later, probably like 10 years later, I got a written letter from her in the mail in Mexico, no less, which by the way, we did not have a mailbox. So she had to get in touch with me and then send it to like the place in town. And I had to go pick it up. It was all very poetic. And it was this long handwritten letter with an apology. But what she said was like, in this particular instance, I didn't want to see you because I didn't want to see me. And that's nice. That's real nice. Like regardless of what happened, like that's a beautiful thing to have reflected. She's amazing. And uh, she really meant a lot to me. And that was a friendship that like really stung when it wasn't there anymore. And it's different now, but I feel like she'll be in my life forever because I let it go and I released her with love and I let her back in with the same but it was just what space had allowed, you know, and what like perspective and time and healing can do sometimes. But also just because somebody's not in your life anymore, it doesn't mean you don't want them to succeed. It's just sometimes isn't healthy to be connected anymore at that time. Yeah. I've learned that sometimes when I'm hurt, I just need to, to tend to that. And you can't always like repair something when you're also hurt, you know, like sometimes you do have to take a step back, you know, like who knows if she had sent you that letter, like, you know, right after things had happened, you might've been like, okay, like you couldn't have gone about this different, you know, like it's like sometimes things do need time, you know, like lots of time and lots of phases of life. So I think my last piece of advice personally would be, just be there for you. And I really do believe that you call in or are put in the path of good friends when you're your own best friend, as cheesy as it sounds. Yeah. I think it, I mean, and to be honest, like I'm going to agree with that because I think you also have really helped me with that. Like I was starting to do that Already when we met, I was sort of like, oh, I think a lot of things would go a lot easier if I just was my own best friend. (laughs) (laughs) Has anyone ever heard of this? You know, like I'd heard it, but I was like, yeah, but I mean, like I'm me. I don't find me that interesting. It just sounds like something for people who don't have friends. (laughs) Yeah, kind of. Or like, I think because of my fear of like being a narcissist, I was like, that's what it sounds like something like a narcissist would say. Like, (laughs) I'm so great. I want to be best friends with me or something. I don't know. (laughs) And I was like. No, it's a way to have your own back. It's a way to establish like this is the standard of friendship expected, you know, or like I did find the more I did that, it did change my relationships without me having to do a lot of heavy lifting. And it's just kind of a truth that I think it's taught me more to navigate my discomfort around being my my own best friend versus like denying it. You know, like I've just gotten a lot more out of it and it has shifted my relationships for the better. So I would say is Nina's test case. No. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like, try the Nina best being your own best friend method. It works. No, but I agree with you. I think you've taught me a lot about that in terms of calling your energy back from where it's not serving you. And I think because I have a lot of energy in a way, even though I talk about being tired all the time, that I don't think I realized how many parts of myself I had dotted around town. And the more I started to call it back and keep calling it back. And even with you, like you're quick. If I'm like, I don't know if this is working. You're like, yeah, I don't think it is either. Okay. Should we, should we delete it or should we not do? I'm like, whoa, 
you know, because like I just wrestle with shit so much more that it's like, oh, my gosh, like you can just do so much more that I can even just be a better friend to the people I do have versus worrying about the friends that I don't, you know, or whatever, with the potency of my energy being recollected as Amen. well. Ooh, let's stop there. There's nothing else that could be said. Boom. Done. That's a beautiful sentence. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks, everybody. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> See you next time. That's all for today's episode. If you're interested in submitting a topic or want to submit a question for our advice episode, please join our membership community at howtobehumanpod.com. Thanks for listening. And remember, we're guides, not gurus. <laughs> <laughs>